Love you, Marco. Uh, more impressions, please. <laughs> I like your stuff. It's much more spicy and interesting. Where the hell did that come from? Oh, I love you, Marco. Oh, my God. You're a great interviewer, a great conversationalist. I just never forgot you. <laughs> I'm Marco Kiris, and for 10 years, I stood under a light for a living for actor Nicolas Cage. I met some interesting people working in Hollywood. In Babel Bullshit and Beyond, I reconnect with those people, and we discuss what it was like going through the Hollywood system and where we are now. On today's show, we have Margaret Konopaki, founder and executive producer of the Birdsong Foundation, a charity benefiting songwriters living with mental illness and substance abuse disorder. We caught up with her on the road traveling in Arizona. So on today's show, we have Margaret Konopaki, and, uh, and who is, uh, who used to be a publicist, a music publicist, I, I believe. Is that not correct, Margaret? Um, well, I was an entertainment publicist mm-hmm. and also in the music industry in the 80s and 90s. And then I moved my career into the yoga studio ownership business and the healing business. But that's my background, Marco. And in fact, (laughs) I know you. I've known you now, I think, for 30 years. And thank you for inviting me on the show. We all have quite a story to tell. We do, Margaret, and I definitely want to dive into your story. Um, It's actually, I think, about 28 years. I think... So you were so gracious with me with like minimal credit when I was down and out, Margaret, in I think 1993-ish, before I started in my cage wage world, you let me rent your basement room. It was a one room, tiny, tiny apartment for 400 bucks a month, which is all I could afford at the time. And I got to live in your lovely house because that's all I could afford. And you were very good with it. And I was thrilled to be there. And I lived there for years, despite me flourishing after that. Uh, I love being there. So you kind of like allowed me to kind of settle into a place before I could kind of leap forward. And I needed that stability, Margaret. And you gave me that stability with that beautiful little apartment in the basement with a two two burner stove. (laughs) You didn't have a stove (laughs) down. It was a two burner. Can only boil pasta and tea down there. But it was enough for a bachelor dude like myself. And I needed a place so badly. And you didn't really hesitate. And you just kind of let me stay there uh, for such a small amount of rent. And it really opened me up and made me feel very comfortable, which was great. Well, what was really remarkable, Marco, it's like sometimes you meet people and you it's, it's nonverbal communication. It's just you like them immediately. You've always had that kind of aura energy that is very welcoming. You're funny as heck. And what I needed in my life at the time, because I was, you know, I had, I was running my business, my PR uh, business from the house. And I had people coming in and out all the time on that ground floor. And to have you living in the basement and sometimes even coming up to answer my phones because I had to rush out somewhere. You were a family member from the get go. So when you started that incredible job with Nick Cage, um, you know, I was so proud of you. And, um, you know, especially when you started getting the the lines, you, you weren't just a stand in. But I remember watching you being the pizza delivery man on one of the one of the uh, movies. Yeah. And I thought, there, there's man. my Marco, yeah. there's my Marco. 
And so you were, you and, um, and at the time I lived with, I had my son, David, of course, and David would have been 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And so it was Dave and I living upstairs and Marco in the basement. Um, and, and we lived very happily there for a number of years. Um, and then I, I think I even mentioned to you that you have to stop saving your money. Uh, with this cheap apartment that you could afford something better because you started <laughs> buying houses in Toronto. And eventually you had a lot more wealth than I ever did. Um, and I was so proud of you, not because I like wealth, just because I thought, you know, this 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 guy is focused on getting ahead in life in terms of, you know, being able to stabilize, you know, and 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 I've always called you friend. And so thanks for the podcast opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and yes, you're right. I mean, but you gave me the base, Margaret, where I didn't have to like jump around so I could make those investments. I definitely didn't want to live in those investments. I wanted them to circulate income for me for my future, knowing that at some point that cage wage world was going to end. And I had to think as smartly as possible in terms of investments. And you allowed me to stay there paying rent, though I wasn't I was in and out of town all the time. I got to have a little base and rent out these mega places until I finally moved into one, which is when I finally left. I didn't realize I lived in that apartment for several years. It didn't even I never even dawned yeah. on me. That was was yeah. that long because I was so much on the yeah. road. It was just a great little base. And with that. Yeah. There's a lot of credit to you, Margaret, for allowing me to be there. Thank you. Uh, and, and I don't know if you actually understand that, but I, I really credit you for allowing me to be there because I didn't want to move into my properties. I actually wanted to generate an income in case I would have been fired or quit. And uh, and that enabled me to secure my finances just by having a place to hang my hat, even though, yes, I acquired a lot of wealth, which is really funny. I was living in a four hundred dollar basement apartment, which is really silly. But but it was well, it was family, too. It was yeah. like it was warm and fuzzy. Right. Oh, yeah. I loved it. And no, speaking and, of and, warm and fuzzy and was under, little and, David. And that's the type of person I am, you know. Marco, I don't think I'd be alive today if I didn't always feel my cup was half full or more. And that's such a cliche. I don't even like that kind of expression. But it really is, you know. Um, and, you know, my story is so devastating that it, it's, it's difficult for me to even go through it. But somehow I feel that when you share your truth, your personal truth with the world, what happens is it not only liberates you, but it liberates other people that in some way can relate to some of the, some parts of the story, even, even though everybody's personal life story is, it's, you know, we're all snowflakes, you know, it's unique and individual. We don't know what it's like to walk in someone else's moccasins. You know, we don't, we, we can only imagine. And, and yet, it, you know, it's, it's like John Lennon's imagine, uh, you know, the, the lyrics to the song, imagine, you know, all the people living life in peace. Woohoo. Yeah. Uh, you can say I'm a dreamer mm -hmm. and I'm not the only one. And maybe someday you'll join us and the world will live as one, you know, and without sounding like a preacher, I love lyrics of songs. I, I believe that there's so much power and healing in music. And it's my son, David, who you you got to know, who was 
mm-hmm. most incredible 10 year old with a great sense of humor and an incredible kind of strength within he he was an adult in a child's body. People used to say that about him, you know, but it was his love of music. And he had a guitar with him. He played guitar every day from the age of five. He just, he would put, you know, CDs on back in the day when the CDs were music, uh, you know, how we, we listened to music and he would listen and, just keep playing it over and over again. And then he'd run upstairs and say, mom, mom, listen to this. And he'd, you know, play back something just perfectly. Hmm. And um, anyway, so, so there you go, Marco. I don't know where to start. Maybe you can help me telling my story. Well, first of all, I loved little David, as you know, and it was, uh, I had fun kind of caring for him and kind of pseudo babysitting at times as well. And he was, he was a quiet and gentle kid, but I agree with you. He was like a little man in a boy's body. And I always felt that maturity when I was around him. He understood everything. It was kind of weird. And uh, I didn't have to, there was no baby talk. There was just straight talk with David. And uh, he got it. He got everything and interacted intelligently the entire time. And he was such a great kid. I'm still devastated. It's really hard for me to even talk about it, Margaret. But I know. You know. Uh, sad. Yeah. Well, we better tell our listeners what happened. We'll get yeah. through the, the horrible stuff fast so we can get back to like solid ground. Because here's the thing, Marco. Um people who commit suicide, you know that word, you know, I'm sure it means in Latin something like self you know, mm-hmm. you, you and you end your life. Just the whole concept of that is it's something that I believe that lots of people think about it, especially when 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 life is really handed them a very, very bad uh, you know, hand of cards, right? They they think about it, but they don't go through with it. And often people that will go through with it, you know, they call it death by mental illness because, hmm. you know, if you're kind of a normally functioning person, you think to yourself, like, even when life is bad, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. It gets better. Yeah. But for some people, Marco, you know, what I realized today is that we have to be able to be strong enough to talk about all topics from the ones that are really, really positive to the ones that are really misunderstood and that that hurt our soul. You know, I, I know it's really hard for me to talk about it and I won't talk about it for long because I want to celebrate David's life, not his death. And that's yes. the biggest problem with suicide is that if someone commits suicide, all of a sudden there goes everything about them into that kind of uh, stamp, right? Yeah. And and from the Christian fundamentalists that say have said to me, you know, uh, too bad, you know, he'll bake in the fires of hell uh, to I've had, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of horrible people out there. And but I don't them as I just think of them as ignorant. I think it's like ignorance breeds contempt. And so being a bit of a, you know, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist, but I have reached that's kind of the higher energy field that I appreciate. And that is where love and compassion ends up 
you know, surrounding even those kinds of people. So if someone really, really hurts you with their words, right, the, 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 the words, the mouth is the most powerful weapon. You know, when you study yoga, it, it you can kill someone with with words as quickly as with a sword to the heart. Yeah. And you you really, truly can. And it's about awareness of 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 tempering the terms of how you speak to people and how you speak about people. And so without going off on a tangent, I guess what I want to say, Marco, is that there's no easy way to say my son, David Martin, men so smart, he was measured off the charts, brilliant musician who couldn't get through school because of his attention deficit who couldn't you know finish anything really the most accomplished uh, guitar player and and in some ways a pretty good singer couldn't get a factor grant out of Canada no matter how hard we tried for him to to get published as a musician he just eventually the society you know poo-pooed him yeah he ended up and and it's that that constant up and down and that's bipolar right it's like you're up 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 and then you're down 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 but imagine there's people that don't have the diagnosis of bipolar Uh, they don't have psychotic episodes like my son eventually in mid-20s had psychotic episodes i mean they're obviously something was wrong when he imagined you know people inside the sink you know, staring wow. at him and and taking taking pipes apart, and destroying apartments, trying to get those cameras out of you know the mechanism of the apartments. You know, I mean that's that's what you call. Let's put you in a psychiatric facility and and figure out what you're seeing. Yeah. But my son wasn't in that place until his twenties, right, Marco? And and so he he um. You know, he was kind of like this genius musician with this heart of gold, right? He would like literally take a shirt off and give it to somebody, a street person on the street. And I'd say, David, we just bought the shirt. And he would laugh and he said, yeah, it's warm out, mom, <laughs> or something like that. And then I I get angry at him. I'd say, but David, I paid for that shirt, you know, and, and he would say, he just laugh. You know, he was so just off the wall, generous, beautiful. And, um, you know, and he was fun to be around. I mean, he was funny, Marco. He was so funny. Mm -hmm. So, so as I go, I also have attention deficit. Mm -hmm. As Um, I do. And so, so, (laughs) so I think if, if I go off on a tangent and you want to bring me back into a certain topic, just, just like, uh, Nod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put your hand up. Yeah. Um, you know what, what, what sells people is passion too, you know? Yeah. And we all know individuals in our own lives who we think to ourselves, oh my goodness, that is someone that, wow, that aura, that energy field is, is just unbelievable. And like we are, we all carry different levels of, of um, you know, not only energy within us to share, 
mm-hmm. but also different talents, right? I, every person has something pretty unique to offer the universe. And, and so anyways, you know, backtracking to that horrible date when David at the age of 30 mm-hmm. is born September 8th, 1987. And um, 10 days later, September 24th, 2017, and I, I will say it, I don't want to trigger anybody in your audience, but he did what what many people do. He jumped to his death. And and without getting into, you know, um, there's no right or wrong way that anyone ends their life because they're in such a place that, you know, they're, they're, they're not thinking clearly, right? And so, Marco, my world was absolutely destroyed he was my only child and we were incredibly close i think um in often with mental illness what happens is that one person that that girl or that boy particularly with a single mom and it wasn't single mom the whole time but for most of his life and and dave's dad had passed away of esophagus cancer so he it was really the the two of us against and it wasn't against the world, even though sometimes I feel it was against the stigma of the world, you know, mm, it's a good way against of the it. misunderstanding of what it just might be like to to have this brilliant, um, difficult person, this this mm-hmm. person who has mental health issues big time. How do you navigate into a beautiful life? And mm-hmm. and I guess what I learned is that you celebrate life one day at a time, that hmm. that you can plan for the future with other people, but be very flexible because you may not get there. Yeah, um, that's a great way of, of putting that. Be very flexible, but you may never get there. That's very true. Be very flexible. It's like, you know, we're coming into New Year's, right? Like mm-hmm. usually statistically what happens is people are like, okay, I'm going to quit this, that I'm going to stop eating, you know, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to do all it. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop, you know, self-medicating. And then by, you know, they last all of 10 days. And then by February, it's the worst month of the year in Canada. Right. Because, you know, my, what my son used to do is he'd clean his apartment. That was one of his things. He'd call me and say, Mom, I've started a new leaf. I'm cleaning my apartment and he'd show me and it was spotless. You know, he would just like start over. Right. And he would start by cleaning his space, you know, and he'd go to meetings and he would just, you know, and he'd set himself up not to use his drug of choice, which self-medicated him. And that along with the um, antipsychotic they injected in his arm once a month, Hmm. unsupervised. Um, eventually brought him into, you know, the end of his life. But we won't get into the blaming game, Marco, because I can't take on the pharmaceuticals. That's not my path. My Mm -hmm. path is to let the medical professionals work with people like that and try to get them into solid ground I don't know anyone that struggles with schizophrenia that can take uh, 
homeopath medicine and not struggle with seeing things, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there's different levels of different mental illness. You know, I navigate this part of the conversation is like, why did my son die? You know, and I do believe he died because of the mismanagement of his medication mm-hmm. and also the the fact that in Canada, he needed a halfway house. They had them for 18-year-olds, but he, my son had just turned 30. Mm-hmm. And he was on a list. And they said, well, maybe in four months, you'll have a halfway house to live in. And he'd been on this waiting game, Marco, like to even get into the psychiatric ward at the Royal Ottawa mm-hmm. um, the last summer of his life. They told us it would take, he was begging to go in. He he had had enough. He was burnt out hmm. and not the first time. And they said four months. I drove him around. We lived in Airbnbs outside of Ottawa so that he wasn't in the town. He said, help me, mom. I can't be in the city. I can't stop myself because that's the other me that goes and gets the drugs. Wow. I held him away from relapse that last summer. And there's incredible photos from that last summer because I'd rent Airbnbs on lakes and I'd watch his, his moods and the poor guy, right. But he wasn't using finally got into the Royal Ottawa and stayed for two months, Marco. And I even met with them because I had seen the suicide note before saying, I can't do this anymore. And I had, I, I I went into the Royal Ottawa. I showed them the note and David was kind of blushing. He said, don't worry, mom, that's not happening. And I said, how can you, can you please explore what this is all about with my son in therapy? And they said, oh, nothing to worry about. So he exited the Royal Ottawa two days before he died. September 24th, he died. He exited the Royal Ottawa September 22nd, 2017. He said, he called me, he said, mom, they didn't even, he he was laughing. He said, mom, they should give you a diploma for at least finishing something. I finally finished two months at the Royal Ottawa. They didn't even give me anything. He said, the woman was rude to me when I was leaving. I said, Listen, David, I'll take you out for dinner. Don't worry. You know, we'll celebrate. We celebrated. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, about 10 days after his birthday, I took him to a steakhouse and he ordered, you know, his last supper type of thing. And then the next day he was like, um, and we were still in the Airbnb and then moving back, I was going to get him his own place again, but he was scared because there was no halfway house, no supervision. Hmm. And I woke up in the morning on the 24th and I looked in his, at his bed. He wasn't there. And I knew something I, I knew in my heart of hearts. I got on my bike, Marco, and I rode my bike for seven hours. Oh, my God. The phone kept ringing from the Ottawa Police Department. And I wouldn't answer it. I knew something they were. I was hoping that he was alive, though, but I thought in the hospital or usually if he didn't show up, it was he would find himself back to detox somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, and they called me the details and that phone call, you know, ended, you know, what was my life at the time. 
and and but very quickly you know i i don't want to get into how bad it was for me because mm-hmm. again it 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 doesn't help matters what i realize marco is that i'm a different type of human being than a lot of people in the sense that it's been four years and a couple of months since he died. And um, the kind of pain that I went through in the first year, I still have it once in a while. It's almost like it's a, re- it's a recurring thing that you get used. Like, like, it's like, oh, yeah, there it is again, right? It's that devastation yeah. where you feel you're kind of like in child pose. You know, I don't know if you've ever done yoga, but child pose is like that. That's the only position that I can think of to go into hmm. is child pose. Okay. Because you can't breathe. It, it just, you have to pull yourself to ground level because you're suffering so much. And you pull yourself to the ground level and you just breathe. You just inhale three seconds, exhale six to balance your nervous system from the pain. Mm-hmm. And you pull, and you know, you'll get out of it within whatever time it takes. And then, and then you crawl out of that place, and then you just keep going forward, Marco. Yeah, and and you have gone forward, Margaret. I I decided to let you continue the story because I've never actually had that conversation or listening conversation from somebody who had experienced what they experienced. And I just think it's important, especially during the holidays, which they are now. Uh, I think it's good for certain people to reflect and and think about their kids and families and so forth, just in case anybody's going through anything and and they're unaware of it. It's very hard for me on this end to listen to it and not break out. I can't imagine anything like that. And of course, most people can't. All I can say is um, I feel bad for you and and everything that happened. Uh, You did work to turn this whole thing around and help other people anonymous people through your foundation. And uh, and I heard the song several times. I heard it last night. I heard it this morning again, which we're going to keep on the podcast as well. And, and to talk about what you did in terms of how you turned it around, um, which is amazing to me. Can I just read one little thing, Margaret? Of course. And then I'll tell you some beautiful things because that was the hardest part of the this podcast cast is is that stuff and and because then the story it's like it the story transforms into it really is like you know it's a transformation is what it is my friend yeah and and this is what you transformed it into it says birdsong foundation works with people who have chosen to share their vision by by composing and performing songs not only as a form of expression but often as a means of survival all of the composers and musicians agree that the music that music has saved their lives lyrics are the story music is the method i think that's beautiful uh, margaret and it goes on and on and on but that was you setting up your foundation. And, and this is, and, and the reason you did all that is because of the passing of your son, David, and that lovely song, uh, that ode to, to mama, to, to Maggie mama. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear. What, imagine, you know, uh, my joy when my son, uh, the Christmas before, which was the last Christmas, 2016, because he never made it to 2017, he mm-hmm. passed September, right? But 2016, 
he was all excited. He brought his guitar, and I thought, oh, goody, you know. <laughs> and it was a family Christmas, and um, unfortunately, it was pretty well the last Christmas the whole family spent together because mm-hmm. this kind of a event in a family destroys the family um, because of the guilt within the family. They, you know, they didn't do enough. They just didn't. They didn't get it. They're part of the society and, the you know, the hardcore kind of things have to be a certain way a single mom you know you should be tougher on them all that stuff but anyways getting back to the performance which is mm-hmm. the piece that was so incredible with the biggest beautiful smile david was incredibly handsome he mm-hmm. was six foot two blonde blue-eyed handsome to the point where i'd be in a cafe and women would stop by and say hey you're really good looking you know he, yeah. and he was really proud of that one of his songs is called is called hey good looking man right <laughs> um and and where he's yeah and and you know and we're not here to sell david's album eventually it'll get out there because it's you know really great stuff does get out there but um getting back to the performance he grabbed his guitar and he sang maggie's song in front of my whole family to great applause and i mean i was crying that makes me cry when i think about that little did i know that that song would become so important in my life and when he got out of the psychiatric facility um one of the weekends he was allowed that last summer he i rented a place in gatineau and he he was on a dock and it was sunset he had of course his guitar and i said dave can you can you please play Maggie's song? He said, Mom, I'd love to. And I had my iPhone and I I filmed it the wrong way instead of, <laughs> you know, instead of vertical. I was just like so like thrilled. And I even, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I hadn't, I, I technically screwed up, but I got, I got it. And he looked disheveled and he looked pale and he didn't look good but he was there and his spirit shone through and i captured that priceless video and then later on after he died you know i mean i ended up in in um you know within a year of his death i flew to vancouver with all of his he had an apple computer and other hard drive that he said didn't work mom you know and mm-hmm. nothing was really put together properly but he was smart enough in in terms of engineering that he had a lot of single tracks and so um some of the songs we were able to take apart with nigel um a Salen out in NYG Productions out in Vancouver, um, who had produced an album on a quite a good band, and 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 his sis, the the guy. Anyway, it was through David's friends that I got to this guy Nigel, and he produced the album, which is on the website um, birdsongfoundation.com. Um, but anyways, Marco, you know, it is that time of the year where. It's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that Maggie's song, you know, was that incredible love of this adult child giving me everything he he was able to. He didn't have money. He didn't have, you know, he was in out shopping um, for mom. He would make homemade cards and he made this 
because making homemade gifts in my family was always really important. We we're Polish mm-hmm. and um, his father was British. And so, you know, it was kind of, we were creative types. So you would, you'd either paint something or make a hand card, made card or, and he, he wrote this, this, this song and performed it. And it's, it's, you know, it's a song of the ages at this point. You know, the audience who's listening to this, you know, my mother's a famous war hero from Poland. She fought the Nazis in 1944 and she was my strongest strength of, of, of holding me up. I just moved in to the bedroom beside her after David died. I just, I couldn't be alone. And, you know, she had seen so much devastation, Marco, in her life. Um, mm-hmm. Even being in a, in a Russian prison with her mother at the age of 12, if you can believe it. Oh my God. Um, yeah, and the, but that's another story. And, and yet, you know, these old war vets and her hands shook for post-traumatic stress from the time we were little children, we'd laugh at her. We'd go, here's mom and we'd rattle our, you know, our teacups, right? Yeah. Was, this is what mom does. <laughs> mom did that all the time and untreated uh, PTSD. Hmm. And yet my mother just told me, Margaret, you're going through a war. This is what happens. This is what happens during war. There's a war going on in the world. It has to do with drug uh, use it has to do with you know a lack of love it has to do with all kinds of things you know my mother was was a bit of a preacher and I guess I got some of that off of her too you know and she she would just tell me horror horrific stories and I would say mom yeah but this is my son she says well this is my grandson she and she would cry and she would say it matters to me too. And she would cry. She, she would say, I loved him more than anyone else because he needed more love than the rest of the grandchildren. She said he needed more love because he was not, he was gifted and more sensitive. And this is, this is my, my preacher message to anyone that's listening is that there are those overly they call them, oh, oh, you're too emotional. You're too sensitive. There's no such thing as being too sensitive or too emotional. I agree. There is no such thing. That's the society bullshit stigma. I agree. If you are emotional, you just let it go. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that their emotion is life. My war hero mother was emotional, you know. Anyway, she's also an artist and painter, but wow. but she helped me the most, you know, Marco. And um, this Christmas, I'm not going to, even though I'm just, it's just me and my dog, uh-huh. I got myself a Australian Shepherd because I'd read about, you know, I have post-traumatic stress from that phone call. I never quite recovered. Um, and it's okay, you know, but I'm working on changing the channeling in my brain. What happens with PTSD is that it's like, you know, it's called, I call it the story, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever the story is. So whoever's listening, they may have a different story, but it's devastating. 
it, it could be as simple as a breakup, you know, with someone they really love and, the, and they were just kind of dissed and they're on their own this Christmas. And it's the story. And so that story keeps repeating constantly, even in your dream sequencing, mm-hmm. to the point that in your brain, through neuroscience, we know that if you have what I call post-traumatic storylines, mm-hmm. You want to find a way to calm them down. You can never erase them mm-hmm. unless, of course, you get dementia. But you can start to put healing on that story by just doing everything, you know, healthy, like sleeping a lot, like not drinking too much, like hanging around with positive minded people, not the ones that have so much opinion about the whole wide world that you're about your ad nauseum, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just peaceful love and compassion and reaching out to me, the biggest, biggest factor that has helped me Mark. Yeah. To work with, I have met other Davids, right? Of course. (laughs) There are millions of them, unfortunately. Oh my God. I have a lot of people I'm working with right now, new songwriters who would never get an opportunity like the one that I'm giving them. Uh, Well, it's not just me either. Like this podcast is all about me, I, I, me. How about including, like, you know, I have a board of directors, you know, that's like one of Dave's friends, Brock Shillington. He's on the board. Incredible guy. A creative guy. You know, I've got, you know, I have a publicist, Glenda Fordham, who's just remarkable. Um, and there's, and my sister, Irina, has joined the board, you know. So anyways, it goes on and on and on. Well, Margaret, why don't you go, why don't you tell us about it? I mean, you know, one one of the things, I mean, you know, hopelessness leads to suicide often by the most gifted and sensitive people, which is unfortunately very true. And we can kind of name a bunch of celebrities on that level. And, and what's what's very interesting is in your, uh, in your foundation, the music is very, very interesting. One of the interesting things about what you are doing, instead of making sure that the lyrics are the most important part of the music, music poetry lyrics head home and uh and i think it's very true you know you think of certain songwriters like gordon lightfoot like Joni mitchell you know uh, who are those people they're they're poets leonard cohen and so forth and so forth and you have brought this foundation to make aware uh you know you brought on this this awareness um and you're using lyrics of these songwriters who are going through their 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 self-abuse of some sort and and mental illness and uh, and they're they're singing about their own story. This is the foundation that you have created, and it's because of the passing of of little David, and and it's and I, I we I want to know about this stuff and where it's going and and how you've put it together. I mean, it's a big big deal. I've read up, everything you sent me is just. It's fascinating. Well, it, it's Marco. It's it's. I know that my gift this Christmas. Uh, from my son David is that he has he's exposing this foundation into the United States where I'm a U.S. resident. Mm-hmm. I because of David, I ended up in Arizona getting recovery for him. 
mm-hmm. um, without getting into you know more of that, I want to talk about the foundation for sure. So what happened was after he died, and I spent the first year pretty well in my mother's room next door. I made a documentary about her. I all I did was throw myself into you know my my disorder is workaholism, um, and. I can escape my my feelings quite radically and rapidly by working ridiculous time hours. So I decided that enough of that after the documentary I made for the Polish embassy about my mother, the war hero, I packed up and bought an RV, a 30 foot RV and parked it in McDowell Regional Park in Arizona wow. and started mountain biking by myself mountain biking and living alone in a trailer though it was a very luxurious trailer and wondering what am I going to do and I found Marco what healed me was the silence I couldn't even listen to music to be honest with you for the first year and a half I could not listen I couldn't listen to people's voice like their voice got on my nerves like my nervous system was shot And what started happening was these little birds, they fly south and they end up in the desert, hundreds of them. And this one big kind of solid looking bird started perching close to my trailer every morning really early and singing not like a chirping sound, you know, that beautiful chirping sound you hear in the Mm -hmm. desert, but it was like these little tiny little snippets, little sonatas, little tiny little like maybe 30 different melodies in a row. I woke up and I, I would go out and I would videotape this bird. I, I had never heard anything like it. And it's called a songbird. Hmm. And they come and, but the complicated musical kind of, and I, I studied uh, classical violin, you know, I didn't go through the whole conservatory, but I played in orchestras, amateur orchestras. So I understand music and how complex it can get. And I thought, my God, there, there, you know, if there is a God, then, then it must be like, it's, it's like so complicated, this music coming out of this little freedom bird, right? They just fly around and they're so fragile. And then I started thinking like my son was very much this fragile being you know this that all he did was you know he wanted music in his life and so then I started talking to Brock Shillington um Dave's friend and he said you know I said I want to start a foundation to help people produce music like David like it was clear to me one day this is what I'm doing and then I started um, brainstorming with an ad agency in Ottawa. And I was thinking, I was telling them about the songbird, songbird, songbird. They said, why don't you flip it? Call it bird song. And that's where it started. Bird song, David Martin, New Music Foundation. But corporately now we are called bird song, New Music Foundation. Hmm. Because David is our first bird song. But there are, you know, I took his name out of it because it's it's for everyone. It's not just for David. David, you know, just kind of made it come together. Mm-hmm. And the power of lyrics. Then I started listening to music again, you know, as this whole thing unfolded. I went back and forth between the trailer and back to Canada to my mother's house. And I started cooking up the idea 
And in the Canadian music industry, I had a lot of naysayers saying, you know, why reinvent the wheel, blah, blah. I just went like, I'm like that, Marco, you know, I get something in my bean. I don't care. I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to make it happen. And, 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 and so the gift this year is like Peter Early is a man in the United States who wrote a best-selling book that won a Pulitzer Prize last year about going through the healthcare system within the United States for his bipolar son hmm. and the madness and the prisons and the, you know, like another crazy story. His son, thank God, is still with him today. But he wrote a blog and we we connected, you know, he heard about uh, Birdsong Foundation and he connected with me and he's putting out the story tomorrow to he said a quarter of a million uh, uh, people that that, you know, look at his uh, his blog and he's a keynote speaker all over the United States. He's an activist in Washington. He is a fighter for the prison system in the United States to take the mentally ill out of the prison system. Yes. Change, you know, like it's it's a big deal, right? Decades, decades overdue. Than, decades overdue. Yeah, so, so I, I, I don't even, so I'm, I'm not going like, to go there. I'm going to let you continue. Man, this yeah. is going, we're going to open up a bird song in the States, you know, because it's not about borders. Mental illness has no borders, you know? It, it and it's it, it's just one person can only do so much. So going back to the importance of lyrics, okay. So you know Leonard Cohen. I I was lucky enough to have worked with Leonard Cohen for a very short period of time, and you know he was that he always wore black, you know, and he was that poet, and he was he he struggled with depression. He told me that himself, though you know I don't think. He was yet at the point in his life where he could admit that in public without, you know, um, having stigma attached. You know, I know he he joined a Buddhist colony for five years and and, you know, ran away. And, um, you know, but he was he was the real deal. Right. He was a man mm-hmm. who who really wrote lyrics that really impacted you. And, you know, I mean, the Beatles, I mean, it's, it's kind of endless. You can look at rap music as well it's a rap music is a reflection of our society like art you don't have to like art it is art is the center of culture and that's just the way it is yeah and i was brought up by an architect father and an artist historian mother and what was really important to me was to always sample theater and and to go to the opera to try new music styles to not it does it didn't it doesn't mean that i have to like the modern art gallery display at the guggenheim right yeah but but it the fact that there are in individuals who find their expression of often mental health issues they put their energy into the craft of either lyric writing and song performance or art yes and and this is an incredibly important piece of the puzzle for anyone that struggles with any kind of 
mental health issues. And, you know, when you start to say mental illness, right, as soon as you say illness, yeah. everyone cringes. They're cringing. COVID yeah. illness. They cringe. Right. Yeah. Um, and so how do you how do you make it OK for someone to say, hey, I'm so friggin depressed this Christmas. Someone just broke up with me. I'm by myself. Nobody's called me. And I'm really like, I'm not going to end it all, but I'm really, I'm really out there. Mm -hmm. um, and this person doesn't have the permission to phone a friend and say, listen, I'm really depressed. I really need a cup of coffee. And you know what? I have some incredible friends of David's as well that are quite famous. And, and, um, and, you know, it's, it, it just, it, they, one of them said to me, Margaret, all it takes is a cup of coffee mm -hmm. and um, conversation, and, uh, conversation and coffee. Well, and even if you are ready to, to, to just end it all, just before you do just say, okay, I'm going to end it all, but I'm just going to go and grab myself a cup of coffee and I'm going to sit and drink that coffee from the beginning to the end of the coffee, which might take five minutes, 10 minutes, 15. And May um, Martin is a very famous new and upcoming uh, comedian. She went to private school with David and then moved to the UK. She struggled with her own mental health issues. She was very similar to David. And she even had a date where we ran into her in Kathmandu. She tattooed the date on her arm. She loved David and still loves David and dedicated. Um, she had two uh, two series on Netflix called uh, Feel Good. Huh. Um, two, two whole series. And she wrote the script and she's in it. And she's a comedian living in the UK. She, she writes her own script and she is that person, that funny incredible person and that's what she said she said get yourself a cup of coffee hmm. and drink that coffee for the x amount of time it takes and guess what you won't feel like it anymore mm -hmm. that's funny I, I i agree with that you know so i just want to on a very lighter note i i you know people like myself who are always alone margaret uh, get up in the morning and have to self-motivate. And the first thing I do is I'm going to drink that cup of coffee. It's very strange that you just said that. I'm not saying I'm on that level, but I, I can get down on my own because I live alone. I've always been alone. I spend holidays alone and I don't really talk about it, but I get that cup of coffee every morning just after seven and I sit down and I drink it before I do anything else. I just kind of like look, I open, I roll up the blinds, I look outside and I, I don't do anything until I finish that first cup of coffee and then I contemplate what I'm going to be tackling and how I tackle the day or not. And, uh, and it, it, it just that first cup of coffee kind of sets the pace for my mood and uh, and and kind of does away with any negative or self-loathing thoughts I may have. Yeah, yeah. And and anyways, Marco, you know, you you're amazing and you you're you're helping a lot of people as well through the honesty of your show, you know, um, and honesty and humor and, humor. and what a combo, right? That's mm -hmm. you honesty, like real talk, right? Yeah. Real talk. 
Always. But, you know, how do you, and I'm the first one that will walk into somebody's house and you can feel heavy energy, right? Like depression and stuff like that. You can really feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is that, you know, even when my son was so sick, the energy was never depressing. You know, it was always like when we were together, um, it was it was love, right? It, mm-hmm. We had this love energy. So as soon as I was with him or he was with me, our energy was fine. It was like we completed each other in a lot of ways that parents do with their children, you know? And, and um, you know, how do I do that today? Well, it's a different story. So, you know, just jumping back into Birdsong Foundation, yeah. we offer a fund. We offer a fund um, that at this point, you know, I've been financing. I've been, you know, like yourself, I bought some real estate way back when and and uh you know polish economy trip right with immigrant parents we knew how to save save the money and and always you know spend less than you make and i've done it so i'm not a multi-millionaire but i've got a bit of money and i'm giving a hundred percent of it um to birdsong foundation so it keeps going for years to come and our first album comes out in may with 11 people we have, you know, a couple of Métis people that are half native and half, um, you know, from another part of the world that, you know, that, that certainly have a substance use disorder. And that's that's not something we you know, that's something that is pretty obvious um, that have incredible stories to tell lyric through their lyrics um there you know there's a guy out of winnipeg named dustin harder who um you know he he really leaned on us i flew him in i took the chance i flew him into toronto and produced two of his songs um and not without adventures of course um Mm -hmm. but um we also have as part of our team, a therapist that, you know, if if for some reason we're in production and something, you know, the relapse type of behavior begins, then, you know, we can bring in a therapist. We can sometimes wow. the best thing for a recording person is not to re- be in a recording studio, but they can't afford to get into recovery. So we find we figure this out and we find a route for them where they can stabilize and then come back in the studio. Um, hmm. because it's, you can imagine it's high risk. We're dealing with on the first album, we have three people that struggle with schizophrenia. Hmm. Two of them have PhDs, if you can believe it. Um, and yet their life story is so, so difficult, you know, um, but yet beautiful. Um, one of them, uh, one of them used music as a very misunderstood music. It was kind of like, heavy metal he'd just take the guitar and he would reenact what his episode would feel like and just kind of like it reminded me of a band out of new out of germany that i saw at uh danceteria in new york city way back in the 80s called burn down the house where you know you had to hold your ears you couldn't even like you couldn't even like uh, handle the volume yeah. never mind the the sound of like destruction and this is this is a uh, matthew johnson from prince edward island with a phd who says music saved his life who has done 
who, you know, we started mentoring him. He had moved to Ottawa. We started mentoring him in Ottawa. I got professional musicians in Ottawa that don't struggle to start bringing them in, even during COVID, like on Zoom, right? To help him with his guitar work and to surround him and how to write the, you know, and he wrote a song called Start Something. Hmm. Like anything. Yeah. <laughs> Start Something. <laughs> So he he performed this song, Start Something, that's on the album. And it is, it's really uh, user-friendly. It is heavy metal. Then we have a rapper out of Africa who is a Canadian citizen who was actually a pretty good rapper down in Africa. But again, his story, it's it's about depression, but it's about, you know, he really, he feels through his music, you know, he can help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have... This woman, Robin Benedict, out of Hamilton, sounds like Bonnie Raitt. Hmm. She's never been published. Given the right circumstances, she could hold your audience captive. She's so incredibly gifted. There's another one, Ashley Bell, half native, a single mom, had an accident, half her right arm was paralyzed. Wow. Worse anxiety, depression, head injury. She's now producing her first album, thanks to Birdsong. After producing two songs with us for our first album, we gave her enough juice and enough personal self-confidence for her to find a few bucks from her family and got her a smoking deal in Toronto. So she's commuting and producing her first album. And Good she's, for her. she's going places. And it goes on and on and on. You know, these 11 people, Al Kinney with Schizophrenia in Ottawa, has this imagination that is yeah. bears none. And his song is called Spiritual Drink Machines. And the story is where everything's corrupted in the world, you know, all the governments and everything, but heaven is corrupted as well. Hmm. And those spiritual drink machines don't work anymore, right? And yeah. that heaven's gate is locked up. So you just arrived too late in the lyrics, right? And it goes on and on. It's It's been so much fun for me, too, to work with these people. Mm-hmm. And um, the creativity is so thick and furious, Marco, that, that you know, this first album um, is, is going to be something else, I'll tell you. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Margaret. And of course, I am going to help and and whatever resources you can, you know, you can tap into me a little bit because on a very, very light, light, light and fluffy and airy note in the 1970s, I went through my own thing. Not as severe as what I'm hearing of, of these stories, but like anybody else, when you're a teenager, you feel depressed, you feel out of it, you feel like you don't belong, you feel like you want to, you know, do yourself in and so forth. And I write a whole chapter in the book, which is not out yet, which I'm rewriting by the the way, of my life story uh, with the, you know, uncaged after all these years, there's a chapter of it that that also focuses on my disco years. And I said that disco music saved my life. I was so down growing up in the in the poor immigrant Greek world that I lived in in Toronto, that I, I looked to disco music to not do myself in. I didn't. Well, it came to me. I shouldn't say I looked to it. It came to me and that happy music really lifted me and it and it carried me through a four to five year period as if I was floating on air, Margaret, until 
I was after 20 and then I kind of like landed on my feet and went full force. But I think if I didn't have something that just filled the airwaves in my head with just light and lofty and rhythmic music. And again, it was music like disco. That's where the happy people go. You know, oh, they're yeah. singing along to a party song. They go to John disco. Travolta. Well, that was, John that was well, Saturday. Yeah. yeah but, the, but the song was by Tavares. But, um, but I mean, there were so many of them, but all those, those songs brought so much joy to me that anything that I was feeling very much like these other people today, but I'm sure there are many more issues that they may have that lifted me and and literally floated me for a four to five year period without me really knowing it because I depended on that music until I hit like 20 and then I felt like I'm okay to to start my life. It's very strange, but it is music. And I'm so happy that you've got the Birdsong Foundation and it saves people and the people who feel like they're sinking uh, may be able to create within this foundation as well, Margaret. And, um, and, and I think this is, first of all, I don't see it's ever been done before. Secondly, I, I really believe that this is long, long overdue and it should actually be mainstream, Margaret, not something that's yes. off on the side. Like this should be mainstream like anything else in terms of music or art. And it's never been talked about. And it's 2021 into 2022. None of this is like really, and there's nothing shameful about any of this. This is just thoughts and, and emotions and headspaces that we're all in. So this this Birdsong Foundation to tackle these issues should be part of day-to-day -day life like you're tackling a job or some schoolwork or issues with your mother. I mean, it really should be front and center and you're bringing that as the as as the first person to ever do it and good for you and and i'm rooting for you and i'm i'm happy to say and or do what i can to move that forward i'm happy that you've got this this album being released in in the spring of 2022 i read all the stuff and yeah. i'm thrilled for you i mean it's it's horrible what had happened to there's, there's so many people that have lost their lives and stuff but it's nice to have some musical hope that a lot of these artists could potentially, you know, you know, be a part of something, you know, and it should be a normal thing, should be very normal in today's society. Yeah. And the crazy thing, too, about all of this, too, Marco, is that the music on that album that I'm producing, executive producing, um, is so uplifting. That's that's what really struck me is that the people with you know the harshest stories sometimes you know when they're writing the music there's one song called thank you thank you for the shoes upon my feet thank you for and it goes on and on the whole song is called thank you thank you it's gratitude it's just and it's lifting it's an anthem and and, you know, to complete our, our long kind of podcast here, you know, I'd like to to end on a very high, you know, soprano note, a very, you know, beautiful bird song note. And that is that we have so much to be grateful for, regardless of the trauma and tragedies in our lives, mm -hmm. that it's worth living this life, which is so darn short anyways mm -hmm. and i watch my 95 year old mom say margaret you'll get there if you're lucky it comes by fast hang in for the miracle it will happen 
and check out birdsongfoundation.com. If you are in Canada, we will be bringing it to the United States. I think it's going to just fly um, like an eagle, right? It's going to fly because it needs to. Um, This is music therapy without the therapy degree. This Mm -hmm. is about just, you don't need, you know, and I'm not putting down that whole specialty. You know, people go to university for four years to teach music therapy. Well, this is music, write your music. That's my therapy course, 101. Write it from your heart. Write your feelings. Pick up the phone and tell someone how you feel. Stay Mm -hmm. with us. We need you. We need you here. That's a great note, Margaret. So sad to hear that. I mean, it's it's very uplifting, but it's still sad to hear that. That's that's very true. Very, very true. I'm hoping that it resonates with a lot of people because every life matters. Every life matters, Marco. Every single one. And I love you. <laughs> I always have. I've always loved you. You're such a beautiful, beautiful soul. And you know what I love about you the most is your honesty. You were honest with me from the get-go. Yeah. Way back when, you know, you had to be careful how honest you were with people because they judge you. Yeah. Well, imagine, imagine a world where you can be honest with people. And, you know, um, you don't have to tell everybody your life story, but if you want to, you can. There are yeah. no rules. There are no rules. There about are no rules. That's what I tell no. people. There are. You make up the rules. Forget what these other yes. people are saying in the gut. There are no rules. You make your own rules up for yourself. As long as you're not hurting people, there are yes. no rules. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. It's about respecting the individual. And, and you know, Marco... These songs will lift. And uh, just going back to you and the, the disco music and how it, it really, really helped you. Um, I, I I understand that, you know, sometimes I'll just blast music in my RV mm-hmm. now. I can actually listen to music now and as I'm producing it. And I've got producers in Ottawa, Vancouver and Toronto. And, you know, you know, the money will come. Um, we had one fund fundraiser and you know it'll come i i'm not preoccupied with that i'm Mm -hmm. just gonna keep going and let let the miracle happen and i feel i wish my son was with me this chris but he with me in a different sort of way and i get you know messengers and phone calls and texts from my bird songs and and some of my friends have given up on me they said you're you're a den mom now and who's taking care of you? And I'm like, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. I don't need someone taking care of me. The universe is taking care of me. I I feel it, Marco, you know, and thank you for this interview. I, I'm blessed that you you even you, you even, you know, considered it. Well, it was to me, it was a given not even, because we recently reconnected. And I thought, boy, she'd be great to tell this story. And and it's and 
it's and it's part of the entertainment world, which is what I do the podcast on. People in the entertainment industry, in a very strange way, this is very relevant, Margaret, and and this should be on the news all the time. Like there are clips of this kind of stuff on ABC or on CBS this morning here and there, but it's not enough. It's like having a bite of chocolate, then it's over. Like you need more of it. It can't just be something very quick and a and a quick fast food um, phenomenon. It really has to be part of a a settled way of life in today's world. And I'm so happy you're bringing this forward. When I read everything you told me what you were doing, I thought, you know, this is the world we should be in. Why are we not in that world yet with all the shit that's going on? Why is this not mainstream? So though this is a tiny podcast and, and you're starting a, a tiny thing but could develop into something big, Margaret, if it's a little bit of a platform and it saves some people or it gets a couple of ears and eyes on 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 this, maybe it'll help. And that's all that matters. And then we'll see what happens after that. But so I love having you on, honey. Oh, you're so sweet. And the thing is, I'm also not, you know, I've really learned through my yoga practice too, my meditation practice of being like you know feeling the loneliness and what is that all about and allowing it to not rule my life you know just yeah. feel it and it's part of it's like a pain of the loss like bereavement is a real pain right like it's mm -hmm. something it, you, you just learn to live with it and just breathe through it and just be in it and bring sunshine and music into your heart and you will transform you know and and there are no perfect people we all have like a dark side to us mm -hmm. but we need to look at the dark dark side and you know sometimes we need to get some help for it other times we just need a friend to discuss it with it depends on the severity of it but there's no there's no life that's not worth looking at and 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 so you know the pandemic that's going on and it's, it seems like we're going two steps backwards again yeah. instead of listening to all that newscast about that you know just Keep yourself safe and stay away from the negative. You know, you know what you need to do within your ability, within yeah. your life. And, and just live and let live one day at a time. It's program work, you know, like don't, you know, you hope that you won't get sick over the holidays and you hope all kinds of things. But but that stuff it it it, does, it takes away from your spirituality like like anxiety takes away from spirituality mm -hmm. you know just breathe in beautiful energy and and positivity and comedy and music and we'll get through Christmas and enjoy all those old fashioned, you know, Christmas songs. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> they are beautiful. I they love are. them. I have them on 24 <laughs> hours a them. day. I listen to Silent Christmas night. music. I, oh, love yeah. Silent night. I got all of it going on. I've got, it's on all day long Christmas music. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm a seven day a week Christmas music kind of guy. Oh, I have it on. Too. Yeah, it's on all day on FM. It's on in the car. It's like I'm like literally driving around like a reindeer. <laughs> I am just the Christmas boy. With I even have a Christmas Santa hat. So I'm just like, I love that. yeah, it's hysterical. But I just thought, you know what? It keeps me elevated and keeps me. I know I live alone. But I have a lot to be thankful for, like you said. And so and we all do because we we're lucky. We have our 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 mind, our hands, our our feet. 
and and there's a lot to be thankful in that in itself. And so that's why I look at it every morning. I drink that cup of coffee and I just move on through the day and I got my Christmas music going on and I just work on these little projects and, and think that, no, I'm just going to work through it and it'll be fine. And that's it. That's right. And we open our hearts to the universe. Mm -hmm. We lead with the heart, not with the mind. You know, the mind gets us in trouble. You know, just lead with the heart. And if you have a broken heart, like I do, just know you're not alone. And, you know... People can find me on the internet as well on Messenger. If you ever write a note to Birdsong to my attention, I will uh, guarantee that I will write back to you. And um, and and you know your music and your expression, if it's art, sculpture, poetry, dance, you know even skateboarding. You know somebody said to me, "Isn't skateboarding an art form?" I thought, you know, in some ways it 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 is. It mm-hmm. it is. I mean, it's 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 it is what it is. It seems to be a sport, but maybe open my mind. You know, think about all the things we don't know. We don't know, right? Yeah. And so so. It's hard to imagine your life with, you know, with a higher intelligence, you know, there's only so much I can handle. Mm -hmm. And so, Marco, um, I'm going to go back to my little trailer. I'm parked outside of a Starbucks with this (laughs) uh, because there's no Wi-Fi where I'm at. And um, and I'm just going to, you know, I have like yourself, I have that morning coffee and um, I have a number of people that that love me um, and they'll text me or, or, you know, and I'll communicate with them. And for me, sometimes for many people, holidays are the toughest time of the year. You just kind of want to enjoy them, but get through them. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'd like to think that 2022, it has three twos in it. What does that mean? It's numerology. Six. I looked up six, right? Two, four, six. 2022. It's the only time in our lives we're going to live through that kind of a uh, interesting number. And mm-hmm. it means balance, believe it or not. It means looking for home. We're mm-hmm. all looking for home. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the songs on the album is called Home. And it, it, it's, it's like a higher vibration. The home is, you know, you could interpret it that, you know, if you're, you're, you're kind of a a, a religious type that home is, you know, uh, you know, somewhere outside of this life. But I believe that there's there's home. You're part of my home, Marco. You always were. You know, we all have. There's another song on the album called Everybody Has Somebody. Mm-hmm. Everybody has somebody. And I started thinking about those lyrics. Wow. Yeah. Even the person that thinks the worst of the worst of the worst. Life isn't worth it. They do have somebody. Mm-hmm. They just need to stop and think about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's it's that simple. So um Yeah, it's like the Partridge Family song, you know, stop, yeah. stop and look around. Somebody wants to love you. Stop, yeah. stop and look around. You know, that I mean, those lyrics way back in the 1970s in that little pop group and it 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 resonates with a lot of people. Somebody does want to love you. So really, you just have to think about it. It sounds kind of corny, but when you think Think about it. The lyrics are really good, and this is on that oh on that God. level. <laughs> I, I had such a crush on David Cassidy. Yeah, I did too. Oh my God, <laughs> I had such a crush. I was just like I think twelve years old, and yeah. I had like oh my goodness. I if I could afford a poster, I would have had one in my yeah. room. But you know, back in the day, 
a Polish Polish family with you know four four uh, girls. You know, nobody was putting up uh, David Partridge on their wall. Yeah. <laughs> On that fun note, on um, on on a flying bird note, for that for that matter, we're gonna like uh, call it quits, Margaret, because uh, it was an intense podcast. It was actually really it was more intense than I thought it was gonna be, but I think it's a needed intensity. And though it's kind of like ending off the year, it's also good for the beginning of the year, given the times we're living in. But I I really want to thank you for coming on and and opening up. It's very sweet, Margaret. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Marco. Big, huge hugs to you and your family in uh, Greek town where my house was situated. <laughs> back in the roots, back in your roots. Yeah. Love you, kid. Love Wishing you all the best and the merriest to all of our listeners. And God bless. And God bless. Thank you. concludes today's podcast with Margaret Konopaki. For more information on her charity, please visit birdsongfoundation.com and make sure to go to youtube.com and listen to Maggie's Song by David Martin. Until next time, this is Marco Curis signing off. Maggie, I love you that much. Softly Drift away Your voice in my head At the end of the day And I'm not alone With three words that you say Just Maggie You love me Oh.